All right. So we are here to just contemplate for a little bit and look at some of the story that we celebrate today as we recognize our Jesus as the conquering king. The setting is actually in the chapter before what uh, Andrew read to us this morning already. So here's the setting. Matthew 27 and verse 55. As evening approached, if any of you got a pew Bible that you're following along in, this is on at the bottom of page 988 in your pew Bible. Matthew 27, 27 and 57. As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. Both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb and watching. The next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests and Pharisees went to see Pilate. They told him, Sir, we remember what that deceiver once said while he was still alive. After three days, I will rise from the dead. So we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. This will present his disciples from coming and stealing his body and then telling everyone he was raised from the dead. If that happens, we'll be worse off than we were at first. Pilate replied, take guards and secure it the best you can. So they sealed the tomb and posted guards to protect it. Let's pray for a minute. Lord Jesus, We are considering this morning, we already have in these beautiful songs of worship that we have sung together, and in our prayers and in our meditations this morning, we have already been considering this glorious morning when you rose triumphant over death. Lord Jesus, I pray that by the Holy Spirit this morning, you would open to our hearts in a new way, in a more complete way in a way that fills us with joy, the truth, the reality that you have risen. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of us have been to plays. When you watch a movie, you don't get to see this at all. But when you go to see a play, the, set, the stage has to be set. And... Sometimes they keep the curtains closed, and you, you can even hear sometimes the stage being set or the props being changed behind it. Other times, there are no curtains, and there the, the drama has to often try to distract you or have you look over here while they're actually changing something over here. And they do this in a way so that by the time you actually watch, the, the stage is set, the props are there, the people are in the right positions, and the play can begin. 
In Matthew 27, at the end of the chapter, after we have heard, after we have read the story of the crucifixion of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, we have in these verses from 57 to 65, we have the stage setting for, sta- for scene two. Scene one is the cross, and we see the Lord Jesus there as the great sacrifice for our sins. He, his own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, so that we, being dead to sins, should live to righteousness, and it is by his stripes that we are healed. That happened at the cross. But now we have scene two, and in this scene, as the stage is set, we have the Lord Jesus' body taken down. We have, as God had orchestrated it, in fact, it was recorded 700 years before in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, it was said, man appointed his death with the wicked, or man appointed him to die with the wicked, but he was actually with the rich in his death. The prophet Isaiah, reading it, as Peter explains, wondered, what was he writing about? But here, in the setting of this stage for scene two, we see this most amazing thing happen. A so-called criminal taken down from a Roman cross and then buried in a rich man's tomb. How could that have happened? Only by the orchestration of God but pre-recorded so that you and I would have one of those, just one of the many proofs that this was all part of God's master plan. Notice that it is a borrowed tomb. Brothers and sisters, those of you that know and follow Jesus, our Savior only needed to borrow a tomb for a few days. It would be an interesting thing for us to go to one of the uh, funeral homes and to plan our funerals as Christians, to go to them and say, we would just like to rent a burial plot. I don't think they have such a plan. But you and I, brothers and sisters, who know and follow Jesus, we also only need rented plots if the Lord should take us before he comes. And the reason for that is because he only needed a rented plot, because he was only in that grave for three days. Notice that we have the ceiling. It's, it's the, again, the Lord sets this stage in such an amazing way. So it is a new tomb. It is carved out of a rock. There's no back door to this tomb. It is carved into a rock. There is a a stone placed in front of it, and there is a seal placed on that stone. That is the folly of the human heart. Did they think for a moment that they could hold in the Son of God? They did it out of fear, as Andrew explained to us well this morning. They did it 
as, as part of this so-called, or, or in, in their minds, what was a deception. In fact, they were deceived, and what they called deception was in fact the truth. This man had said, while he was still alive, they called Jesus the deceiver. While he was still alive, after three days, I will rise from the dead. Satan loves to call truth lies and lies truth. He does that to all of us in our lives. He tries to twist and distort and get us to see things in the reverse to what is actually so. So here, Jesus is called the deceiver, and he is quoted, but they're quoting it as if it is an empty promise. We all know it was true. So we request that you seal the tomb. This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body. And then they say this most amazing thing. If that happens, we'll be worse off than we were at first. I'd like to suggest today that the resurrection story is a good news and a bad news story. As Christians, we may be thinking, what do you mean, Dave? It's only good news. It's all good news. But I don't know the state of soul of each one in this audience today. So I have to remind us all that it is a good news and a bad news story. You see, these men going to the high priest, the leading priests and the Pharisees, they said, if this happens, we'll be worse off than we were at the first. They were speaking about thinking that his body would be stolen. But I would suggest to you that if you do not know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, then the fact that Jesus rose is bad news. Because the judge of all the earth is very much alive. And every one of us will stand before Jesus. God has committed all judgment to the Son, the Word of God says. And if you and I meet the Lord Jesus as judge, when we have rejected him as our Savior, then we die in our own sins, and we go to a lost eternity in hell. The judge is alive. He rose from the dead on Easter Sunday morning. For those of us that do know him as Savior, this is the greatest story of all. Because in Jesus' resurrection, we have proof that our sins are forgiven, that the price he paid on Calvary was a complete and a full price, a complete and a full work, that he died for us, that he atoned for our sins, and that we can now go free. So as we look at this story, let's keep these things in mind. Matthew 28 and verse 1. Andrew read it for us through in completion. I will just go through it a few verses at a time. So it says, early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. By the way, just a fun thing to point out here. 
If this was any sort of a concocted, uh, dreamt-up story written in the first century, they would never put women as the witnesses. Women had, in, the, in this time period, Roman history, women were not even allowed to be witnesses in court. But in the record of the word of God, culture means nothing. It is recorded in fact as it is. And God in his divine wisdom had it that the first two witnesses of the resurrection are Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, his clothes were as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. The angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. Let's stop there for a moment. Notice that this great earthquake happens. And it says an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. I like to think of that earthquake like if any of you have ever seen one of the rockets in uh, Cape Canaveral, Florida take off. If you feel the ground shake, you feel the power, you feel what happens when that rocket takes off. I, I picture this earthquake as being that moment in time when the Son of God rises from the dead. You think of all the Lord Jesus took all of our sins, all of us who trust him as our Savior, took those sins upon himself. He was the sin offering. He was the one. God laid them on the Lord Jesus, and he bore the judgment for those sins. He declared it is finished at the end of that crucifixion, and then he goes into death. No doubt Satan thought at that moment he had won a huge victory. The, the so-called conquering king lies dead in a grave. And for from Friday evening until Sunday morning, there is quiet. And that tomb is sealed. And then the earthquakes. What's happening? The Son of God, the Lord of glory, is rising from the dead. Death could not hold him. He was victorious over death. He was alive. And Satan was blown away. His sword of death that had worked every time down through history and had now been used against the Lord Jesus, he finds it doesn't work. The Lord Jesus rises victorious over death. It is no wonder that the earth quakes. The, those that were guarding the tomb, they are so afraid when they just see an angel that they fall into a dead faint. The angel says to the women, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus. I love the way the angel didn't say anything to the guards. Sorry. Let him be afraid. Let him faint. 
He's got nothing to say to them. To the women who were there because of their love for Jesus, he says, don't be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Just as he said would happen, come and see where the body is lying. The Lord understands our humanity. It's amazing to see that this angel saying to, to these two women, it's an angel that's appeared to them. The angel says to them, he's not here, he's risen. Did they really need to go and see where the body was lying? But he understands. And so he says to them, come and see. Come and see where the body was lying. You and I have doubts sometimes. The Lord understands. He knows. There's a father that says to the Lord Jesus when he was here, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And so the Lord gives us things, brothers and sisters, along the way to help us with our doubts. It is it is a documented thing in human history. It changed the course of human history. It was prophesied. The Lord Jesus, when he rose, he, he appeared to more than 500 at once. Men were ready to lay down their lives for this truth. The Lord Jesus had indeed risen. But he still knows that sometimes we need the encouragement that he gives us along the way. And he does it in many different ways. I love the hymn that says... The, the way, the reason, I know he lives, he lives within my heart. There are lots of things we can go through in terms of the details in the, account, in the account of his resurrection. But fundamentally, for those of us that know and follow Jesus, we know he lives because he lives within our heart. The women, or he says to them, the, the angel says, verse 7, now, Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Do you remember what Galilee was? Galilee was kind of a despised place. Nathaniel says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Remember that? Galilee was a place of the Gentiles. It was, it was a place that wasn't really looked up too much. The Lord Jesus says here, or, or the angel says, go and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. The risen Christ, brothers and sisters, is not in some lofty, majestic church building. The Lord Jesus says, I'm going ahead of you into Galilee. The risen Christ goes ahead of us into this lost and broken world. He is there in the suffering. He is there in all the hurt and the pain of our lives. And this angel says it so well. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will meet him. And so these that met the resurrected Christ, they didn't meet him on a lofty throne. He is entitled to the throne. He is seated now at the right hand of God. And there is a day coming when he will come in majesty and in power. But our risen, exalted king actually 
meets us in the brokenness of our humanity. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. As they went, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. I love this phrase, they were frightened but filled with great joy. Isn't that an awesome combination? I, I was praying just in, in the preparation for this message that somehow in a fresh way each of us today will have that combination of emotions in our hearts as we celebrate his resurrection today. That combination of fear and filled with joy. The Lord Jesus is the holy, spotless Lamb of God. He is the resurrected, exalted King. He is worthy of all homage and of praise. He dwells in light that no one can approach. The Lord Jesus is holy. We need to be very honoring whenever we speak of the Lord Jesus. And yet also, we can be filled with joy as we realize that it is our Savior that we are talking about today. It is our Savior who is alive. They rushed to give the disciples this angel's message. If you look at another, in one of the other Gospels, you will find that these ladies were going to the tomb. To, they were carrying spices to anoint the body of Jesus. Before the resurrection, there is no evidence of speed. It's, it gives you the feeling like they were trudging along. They were doing things out of duty. And maybe for some of us, as we got up this morning and came to church, we had this sense of doing it out of duty. There was no rush. I even saw a few people coming in to the breakfast this morning, and they looked like Sort of, they were just getting going. And it was kind of fun to watch. But when these ladies got a glimpse of this angel and then of the Lord Jesus himself and recognized that they weren't coming to anoint a body for burying, they were coming to worship a resurrected Christ, it changed everything. And the energy that you now hear in the verbs as it talks. It says the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were, they, this energy had now come because they recognized, they had seen it. They had recognized and seen this resurrected Christ. So brothers and sisters, are we trudging on our Christian journey? Are we sort of going along, doing what we got to do? This morning, we are reminded in being together to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus that we aren't here to anoint a body for burying. We are here to celebrate a resurrected Christ. And the message that they, they, they were shown that first, and then they were told to go and tell. 
And so for you and I, if we have a sense in our Christian lives that we are bringing spices to anoint a body for burying, then we're going to do it with drudgery. We're going to do it with duty. And there's not going to be very much attraction for others to come and follow. But if you and I have a sense in our souls that we celebrate and follow the king who conquered death, if we are the ones that have the message to tell, oh death, where is your sting? Oh grave, where is your victory? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If we have that message to tell, then it'll be hard to hold us back. We'll be wanting to tell it every opportunity that we get. As the women were on their way in verse 11, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priest what had happened. A meeting of the elders was called. They decided to give the soldier a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping and they stole the body. If the governors hear about this, we'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. This story spread widely among the Jews, and they still tell it today. Andrew said it very well. Andrew, what you shared this morning already here. There is those, I think it is actually easily true of all of us that we can live in a lie in different ways. Satan is the master of lies, and he wants to get us to live in a lie. If you do not know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you are living under the lies of Satan. And even those of us that know and follow Jesus, Satan still loves to bring lies into our lives, to get us to believe those things rather than believe the truth that we have in Jesus. But I want to go on to end with verse 16 to verse 20. Verse 16, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Even to the end of the age. So, The command to us who have seen and believed in a resurrected Christ is to now go. It comes right after these 11 disciples meet the Lord in this mountain in Galilee, and when they see him, they worship, but some of them doubted. I love it. I think we all love it because we, we, we relate and we go, yeah, but I have these doubts. Yeah, but I have these fears. Yeah, but I have these uncertainties. Brothers and sisters, 
The best way to overcome those uncertainties is to get back with Jesus, spend time with him, and then go out and tell. Because the Apostle Paul said, and this verse has been very meaningful for me in my life. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Do you know what gets rid of my doubts more than anything else? Is seeing the before and after of people that believe and follow Jesus. I have seen it. I have seen it in my own life. I have seen it in other people's lives. I have seen what happens when somebody does not know Jesus and then they come to know Jesus and I see the new life that comes. I see the work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. I see the change that it brings. And so the answer to your doubts is to go and tell. It's a funny thing. It's like we want to hold back and our doubts often keep us from sharing. But I say to you, brothers and sisters, go and share it. Because when other people start to understand and receive and believe and follow our resurrected Christ, there is such a change in their lives that it refreshes us and it reminds us and it enthuses us to then go and keep telling the story. Go and make disciples of all the nations. That is going on in the world today. I am part of an organization that gets to go and share Christ in well over a hundred nations. I have seen the gospel going out in crazy places. I have seen what happens and how the word of God changes and transforms not only a life, but a community. Not only a community, but a nation. I have been to Rwanda. I have been with a man in Rwanda whose fiance 27 years ago now, 1994, so it's more than that now, 28 or 29 years ago, was macheted to death when a million people were killed in the space of six months. That nation would have been impossible to rebuild except for the risen Christ. That nation has embraced biblical forgiveness. And today, you can have children playing together in Kigali, right near Hotel Rwanda. You can have children playing together where their parents killed members or members of the family of the other child that they are playing with. You say, how could that ever happen? Only one way. Because the risen Christ has been preached and has been believed and lives have been changed and a nation has been changed. I have met with some of the government of Rwanda and they boldly proclaim that the reason why that nation is rebuilding in Africa is because of the gospel, of the grace of God. So never be ashamed. The word of God is living, it's powerful. The gospel is true. The Lord Jesus Christ is alive and he is coming soon. And he has the power. If you do not know Christ yet as your savior, he has the power to change your life today. If you receive him as your savior, 
He has the power to change your family. He has the power to change your community. He has the power to change a nation. And so Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. May you and I who know and follow Jesus go out and preach the gospel this week. In our towns, in our communities, in our workplaces, wherever we have opportunity. So that we can also be part of the fulfillment of that great commission. And Jesus has promised you, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, our precious Savior. We thank you that he is risen, that he is exalted. Even those that, that don't know, have no idea in our country, they pause to celebrate Easter, which gives us a great opportunity to share the story. Father, I pray that you would give those of us that know and love our Savior boldness this week in our lives to fulfill that great commission to go and tell. And Lord, if there's some here today that have doubts or have fears or have not yet received Christ as their own Savior in their own heart, I pray that by your Holy Spirit you would reveal yourself to them and that they would receive you as Savior, Lord Jesus, that they would look by faith to the cross and see you there as the one who died for their sins and as the one who rose again, proving that the work on the cross was sufficient.